0: Sermon Plus, on a scale of 1 to 10, how much do you guys enjoy these conversations?
1: <laughs> you first, Mike. Whoa. Whoa was right. <laughs> ah, I'm the worst. I am the worst. I can <laughs> never give a 10 to anything. This was just
0: this was just like an introductory question. It didn't have to be like uh, no one's going to hold you to this.
1: I don't think, or maybe it we got will. existential in a hurry, Dan. And I was not prepared.
2: <laughs> this right here is a case study of Mike Osborne because the conflict happening in his heart and his mind right now to try to get encouragement to other people to be honest to Jesus and honest with is so wonderful. I'll answer. It's a ten. It's a ten for me. All day, every day. Sermon plus is a ten. Mike. Mike can take his six and go home.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't gonna give it a six. I wasn't gonna give it a six. But yeah. All right. Next question.
0: Oh man. That's great. Galatians 5, starting in verse 16, talking about living by the spirit. Obviously the, you know, very familiar section of the fruit of the spirit. Pastor Dave, uh, take us through a recap from Sunday, and then we'll dig a little deeper.
2: This is my favorite New Testament passage. Hands down. A little fun fact about me. (laughs) Yeah, 19 is my favorite chapter in the Bible. It's probably my favorite part of scripture. Galatians 5, 16, really through 26, maybe even through 6, 1, um, which Mike conveniently left you that last verse. You'd probably pick up in verse 25, even of Galatians 5. yep yeah. But this, this passage is just so real. It's like getting insight into the life of every Christian. We started talking about there's this battle for power happening inside of you. If you are in Christ, it is very real that you still have a present, lingering, dying, sinful nature that needs to keep being put to death, or or treated, or reckoned as dead, and that is fighting against the new creation in you—the the work of the Spirit that is renewing the old self and seeking to make you become more like Christ. You know, you're being conformed to Christ, transformed, one image of glory, one degree to the next, as Second Corinthians talks about, and and it's just so it's so almost freeing. Because sometimes I think as Christians, we wonder, am I the only one who's struggling so bad with my old flesh still like this? And the questions of assurance and what am I supposed to do? And can I even be honest with this comes up? And so I talked about Romans 7, Paul, I mean, we can we can relate with Paul. And he's like, every time I want to do right, and I mentioned this is, this is just copy and paste from Genesis 4, every time I want to do what's good, their evil is lying close at hand. And so there's this war happening. But we talked about the the beauty of Galatians five is not about how strong your flesh, your lingering dead self is, dying self, and it is very, very powerful. Make no mistake, the whole Word of God talks about how wicked and depraved uh, your your nature is apart from Christ, and then how deadly it can be in general. And so there's there's definitely warnings. And talk about how powerful your flesh is. But Paul in Galatians 5 basically says, I see the power of your flesh and I raise you the dynamic, overwhelming power of the Spirit. And we said this little thing on Sunday. There is no more powerful force in your life than the Holy Spirit. If you are in Christ, that is so comforting. Look at all the vices, all the power of your old self that you see in Galatians 5, 19 through 21. Take that list, add it all up, and on its best day, it doesn't even come close to how powerful the spirit of God is that rose Christ from the dead and is making you into a new creation. And so we talked about this battle for power. We talked about the old self, the new self, and we said, okay, then what does it actually look like to change? And we gave two warnings that spiritual fruit for fruit the spirit in your life, evidence of Christ being formed in you, that spiritual formation, you, you don't produce fruit by behavior modification, extreme asceticism, incredible discipline, that that stuff will not work. That was the first warning. The second warning is that spiritual activity or even use of your gifts and your abilities, whether from common grace or from the Holy Spirit, is also not evidence of the Holy Spirit, um, nor does it really produce fruit like specifically. More can be said there. Neither one of those are the primary way that you cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in your life. The way you do it, and this is where we landed. The way you keep in step with the spirit is by crucifying the flesh. And so I gave that example, that powerful story from Piper back in the early 1980s about the dragon, you know, who was your old self that that you and the Christ went in with the sword of the spirit and slayed and it's laying limp on the ground. And you look at Jesus and you're like, is it dead? And he's like, it, it for sure is going to die. <laughs> it's bleeding out. It's a mortal wound. But no, it's not dead, and so you, you treat it as a tomb. You build up stones, and the the enemies gonna come and cause earthquakes in your soul to bring down those stones, and cause the dragon to have convulsions to wound you. But you know you must be vigilant. That's Ephesians five one. Stand firm. That's the end of First Corinthians fifteen and six or uh, sixteen, I believe. You know, stand firm in your faith. First Peter five says resist the uh, resist the devil, resist the enemy, um, and so there's. I think this really tangible word from Paul in Galatians 5 and verse 16, that if you keep in step with the spirit, if you, verse 24, crucify the flesh and its passions being in Christ, then you will not No, you cannot, you won't do it. Gratify the desires of the flesh. And so the, the big overarching theme is, Hey, if you are in Christ, the spirit of God is in you, and it's mo- the most powerful force in your life and so have confidence when you address your old self and your and, and temptation and keep every day you know last week was keep believing this week was keep <laughs> keep killing the old man <laughs> every mm-hmm. single day, believe in Christ, crucify the flesh, believe in Christ, crucify the flesh every day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that goes along with a lot of these similar um, encouragements. And we've talked a lot about praying the Lord's Prayer, not my will, but your will be done. Um, That is a moment of crucifixion and resurrection, surrendering my will, embracing the living presence of Christ. You had a a really good um, kind of rhetorical moment. In the services, when you were like, "How many times do I have to kill this thing?" You know, you asked that question very poignantly, um, and you know, I my thoughts went to Paul in First Corinthians 15 when Paul says, "I die daily." There's yeah. this, there's this daily surrender, uh, which again, what, which is. You know we see it exemplified you know when did Jesus actually die, which is a silly um, it's a little bit of a trick question to everybody, so he obviously died on the cross, but one could argue that the death happened in the garden. when he hmm. said, "Not my will, but your will be done," it was over. Ball game that was it, and the actual crucifixion itself was just that relational dynamic between father and son getting worked out. And I think that's what needs to happen in our lives each and every day is we're saying not my will, but your will be done. And then the actual playing out is essential. I still have to love my wife as Christ loved the church. I still have to process my money so that I'm not using it in a greedy way, but without that other battle happening first, uh, it can be really hard to, to walk in obedience and be filled with the spirit. So, um, yeah that's great
0: it's it's kind of counterintuitive for us you know i think because when you hear the word death you think of a one-time event which is you know which makes sense um and you know maybe um you know the idea of putting to death is an ongoing like you said a daily situation and so you know even in our physical um realities you know, we really separate things like sickness and injury from death, where really you know, maybe if we carry this kind of or maybe if we use the physical to help us understand that putting to death, it's like when I am sick, those are like reviews of of death. Yeah. Not not necessarily that I'm I'm dying and and at the you know at the end of that sickness I'm going to to die, but I'm experiencing the process of, of breaking down and, and dying. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's accurate or helpful.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Paul in Colossians three, he says in verse three, you have died. Mm -hmm. You did Mm -hmm. die. That's the whole, the victory over death is sure. You have died. Your life is hidden with Christ and God. And then he immediately in verse four goes to basically the, the full experience and encounter of this, verse four, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And then verse five, it says, so put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Right. <laughs> it's like, and so that's what it is. It's yes, you have died and you need to die daily. It's the already not yet. It's, it's littered all over the New Testament.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it corresponds to, you also just spoke about this in the sermon, uh, as far as recap goes, you talked again about how the importance of the now and the not yet. That all of that, I am dead, but I still need to die. I'm righteous in Christ, but I still need to, you know, walk in righteousness. That is all the product of how important the Christ event is. So, in some sense, you could look at Jesus' coming as two comings, but it's really one coming that's just in process with two, two poles to it. You, you live between the resurrection and the return of Christ, which is still one event, but it's got two dramatic poles, and that's where we live. And so consequently, if you are going to apply this person of Christ, you have to apply him now and not yet. There's no other way to do it. It's it, it's because of the nature of Christ's death, resurrection, and return That's why we have to live this way. That's why we have to be in the tension of, well, I'm already dead, but I still got to put things to death. It's just the nature of Jesus's work necessitates that. Yeah, because
2: I have died and because the old man must die, I must then crucify
1: it daily. And you could never crucify the flesh daily if you weren't already dead.
2: (laughs) Right. So that's exactly. That's good. Yeah. And so, the only way to do that is through the spirit. Yes. The only way to do that is by the grace of God. The Galatians 3:1. The way you started is the way you keep doing it. It's by the Spirit. It's not works of the flesh. It's not right. anything else but the work of the
1: Spirit. Right, right, right. <laughs> because the thing that connects the resurrected Christ to the return of Christ, how do we get there? Only by the Spirit. Not by our works, not by our money, the only way we could live that out is by the gift of the holy spirit he and that 's why he 's called the down payment he 's the earnest money of the inheritance, so i 've got this inheritance of righteousness awaiting for me. I get some of that now. I get this you know uh, the uh, what am I thinking of uh, the peace of God the just even justification is waiting for me at the end. My final vindication is waiting. I get that forecasted to me now through the gift and assurance of the spirit. So hundred percent. Yeah.
2: Okay. So then what does that look like? Pastor Mike, we just talked about this. There are like these, almost like these not not necessarily stages, but there are, there are different aspects to what it means to keep in step with the spirit. If, if that's Mm -hmm. how I crucify the flesh, if how I crucify the flesh is keeping in step with the spirit, talk to us about like the role of the law and wisdom in Christ. And then
1: even, um, a word on intuition, Okay, well, right before, just so the listeners know, right before Sermon Plus, Dave had done in his reading, which again, thank you for all your work, Dave. That's a lot of work. Some of the extra reading you've done, one of the guys commented that a lot of us think that keeping in step with the Spirit is kind of this intuition, like uh, going with our gut, <laughs> 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 which I think is hilarious. And that is, by the way, by the way. With that,
2: your splunkna.
1: You're Yeah, that is definitely, I would say, part of what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. However, what happens is I think that becomes the primary way that we think about keeping in step with right. the Spirit. Right. And so what I want to do here in the next just couple of minutes is just broaden that perspective out so that we can understand, I think, more fully, more robust what it means to keep in step with the Spirit. So one of the things you see right in the very passage itself is that the Spirit— and I'm going to actually talk about this in this coming week. The spirit helps us fulfill the true intentions of the law. So in a sense, the spirit is not against the law. The spirit is fulfill- the law came in. We just couldn't do it. Now the spirit empowers us not to do something different, but to fulfill the law, which namely is love. And so when we think about keeping in step with the spirit, we need to be thinking about the spirit enables us to fulfill law. Or Torah, which is the story of how the Bible and the world began. Think of Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. It's not just commandments, but the Spirit enables us to live out faithfulness to God's instruction, God's Torah. However, it's not the only category. You also have the wisdom literature in uh, the Old Testament. And the Spirit of Jesus, which is called, by the way, the Spirit of Wisdom enables us to live wisely. So a lot of decisions about money and marriage and relationships and friendships and all of those things, which are all over Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, all that stuff. The wisdom literature is then also animated by the power of the Spirit. So when you think about this is just basically an argument for the the confluence of Scripture and Spirit, and so deeply immersed in the stories and instruction and commands of the Bible, deeply immersed in the wisdom literature and the Proverbs of the Bible, even the prophets, you know, the expectations and and how the prophets kind of call us to faithfulness and predict what will happen if we don't. So those three big categories of Scripture, law, wisdom, and prophets are all ways that the Spirit speaks to us. The massive difference between Old Testament saints and us is that now the Spirit animates us to, to fulfill them. And the last and thing the, I would say, before, oh, you
2: get, before you get to Jesus there, and by the way, this is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, for example, in the wisdom, these things, this wisdom God has revealed to us through the Spirit. And then it yes. says, we received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. We impart these, these words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual
1: tr- truths to those who yes. are spiritual, born again. Amen. Excellent connection. The last category I would say is the embodiment of all that literature. Jesus said he is the fulfillment of law, prophets, and wisdom. And so we look, as you said on Sunday, to follow in his steps, following in the footsteps of Jesus. He's kind of the ultimate revelation. If we want to keep in step with the Spirit, then we need to model and shape our lives around the person, the work of Jesus. So once you have those categories, you know, again, that's not something you attain to, but as you're, those are things you're weaving and threading into your life as far as keeping in step with the spirit. And then you add to that, you know, kind of beautiful, broad picture of, of wisdom and and knowledge. Intuition is definitely part of it. Gifts of the spirit, word of knowledge, word of insight, um, right. you know, a, you know, something like that. Those things. You know, absolutely exists. The problem is, we we just don't want to. We don't need to be exclusionary. You know, we don't need to say it's only this or it's only that. We can see that the Spirit's movement and work uh, is across all of those things. uh, You know, chiefly with with Christ.
2: Yeah. The tough part is, I think, uh, you know, I can speak for myself, but most of the time, my leanings of trying to keep in step with the Spirit, my flesh. I don't. I don't necessarily mean that like according to the vices that we see in Galatians five, but just kind of my, maybe even it's my laziness, honestly, for for me, my, my primary way of thinking of being led by the spirit. Sometimes is just kind of like this thing that's happening outside of me. I'm looking for evidence outside of me to tell me what a sign, a blowing the wind, a song I hear, you know, yeah, a movement in the clouds. You know what I mean? Like whatever it may be, I'm looking for some kind of external sign and thinking that that's the primary way the Spirit of God is going to lead me. And the danger here, by the way, is if you are not like keeping a step with the Spirit by seeking to fulfill the law of love through the Spirit, or, you know, understanding and having this, the uh, wisdom of Christ being applied to me as a spiritual born again person, or I'm not looking at the life of Jesus and, and following his footsteps, if those first three things aren't happening, I can't trust my intuition. And that, that's like, the, that's the dangerous thing. And people have made a lot of mistakes in life, myself included, by quote unquote, feeling led by the spirit and throwing that term around like it just means anything when really it's just this false understanding of your gut or your earthly desires leaning in you and somebody who may not actually be kept keeping his step with the spirit. And then you can, you can fall into sin. You can hurt people. You can manipulate the work of God for your own advantage and selfish ambition. So it's tough.
1: Yeah, actually, one of the real practical things, you know, my wife and I are working through, you know, financial decisions like all married couples need to do. And, you know, you can throw in a trump card into that conversation and be like, well, I've been praying about this. Oh, man. I think the spirit's leading me in this way. So one of the very practical things that we do in our marriage is. We recognize that, hey, we both have the spirit here. So now I immediately know if there's listeners who would like their marriage, maybe their partner doesn't have the spirit. We can have a different conversation about that. Seriously, come see us. Come talk to us. I have -hmm. thoughts on that. But like this, you know, the work of the spirit in our lives and intuition is not the same as some type of revealed aspect of Jesus or the law or wisdom literature and so keep, you know, there ought to be a, a, a an appropriate amount of humility. So I say things like just very practically, I think the spirit might be leading me in this way. And then that signals to Julie, like, oh, he's pushed, he's trying not to be selfish, because if I was being selfish, I wouldn't be in the spirit. And then it's like, okay, well, mm. you at least pray about this. I think this is from the spirit. We disagree. Will you at least pray along those lines? Cause it might be from the spirit. And that is how we handle the intuition category. Oh man. That like, is great. In living color. Like that's like literally that is like literally happening right now.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And you, t- and go I,
0: ahead, think, Dan. I think one of the things that leads you to um, maybe coming up with a formula And then playing that trump card of, well, I prayed about this, or the spirit is telling me to do this is a real divorce between, like, we see most of our lives as, you know, temporal or earthly, just kind of played out in our own wisdom. And then there's sort of this spiritual component as well, that you kind of bounce some of that off of, or even at worst, use to validate you know, whatever plan you want to um come up with. And so, you know, when I was listening to you talk about that more broad nature of how the spirit is involved, you know, you're talking about sort of the overlay of the spirit, meaning all of the ways that I experience those things, the law of the prophets writing, like these are all spiritual realities, they're not just things that are experienced. You know, at the surface level, and then, oh maybe the spirit has something to say about this, but you know I'm living in these in these multiple real- not really multiple realities is not the best way to say this, but there is a spiritual reality you know that I'm probably not always aware of,
2: oh yeah, go ahead, Dave Galatians five is the template there right that that's what you're that's that's what you're supposed to put into practice in a situation like this, right? So the example that pastor Mike just gave with him and Julie, um, whatever it may be, it's like, Mike is using that language because he's, he's recognizing that the enemy of Christ, the enemy of the spirit and the old self will want to twist and manipulate this situation into what you see 19 to 21, you know, you know, there's there's envy, there's jealousy, there could be fits of rage, there could be like, this is what the flesh and the enemy wants to accomplish, and so the the opposite side of that is, but the Spirit wants love. The Spirit wants Christ to be exalted and wants the other person to be built up. You know, Paul, Romans 12, outdo one another and showing honor. We've mentioned that so many times in Sermon Plus. The Spirit of God wants this situation to result in peace and goodness. Mm. And kindness. And so mm-hmm. when you're testing some kind of, uh, you know, I feel like the spirit of God might be leading us to do this. Then internally, each person involved that is going to have to go, all right, why don't I like it? Is it because mm-hmm. there's a, there's a righteous sense of me, which is going, no, this is not going to produce peace. No, this is not loving to this person. Or is it like, no, I'm not going to get what I want or whatever. And so that's or it's I'm, a afraid.
1: I'm, Fear. Or I'm afraid. Fear is a big way. one. That's good. Yeah. Speaking of, you know, the work of the Spirit across those things, Dan, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, concerning salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he, that's the Spirit, through the prophets, predicted the sufferings of Christ. Hmm. So in case we were wondering how active the Spirit was in the Old Testament writings, He was the one working through these authors, and they didn't even fully know and get it. The Spirit was the one speaking in these almost like mysteries, not not like hidden things or like that, but you get what I'm saying. So yes, the Spirit is directing this whole narrative, and I really need to give myself to the whole thing. You know, um, and you will find the work of the spirit. So anyway, yep.
0: that's that. And so the discussion of this is very <laughs> dynamic and exciting, but the experience of it, you know, as you know, maybe not so much. And so, um, you know, Pastor Dave, you highlighted a couple of things. There are some um, there's some metaphors that you maybe didn't get to in your sermon that you wanted to break out that kind of talk about our experience there.
2: Yeah, so then if you're doing a little self-analysis and you're like, okay, well, how how am I doing here? And can I be encouraged? Am I, should I be discouraged? Do I need to make a big adjustment in my life? You know, uh, Keller talks about the importance of the agricultural metaphor there. Hmm. And he's four things about Christian growth, like you know, according to Spirit, that I think are really, really good. So I'll just kind of read a little bit of an excerpt from him. He says, Christian growth is first gradual, meaning this, you can only really measure it with time. And so I think that we... You know, every, uh, maybe the tendency is that uh, a lot of people are going to even listen to this and try to copy paste their life immediately and then look for signs of fruit by tonight. It's just like, you know, whoa, buddy, to use a, a word that Mike says, whoa, buddy. Easy. <laughs> just easy.
1: easy. It's going to take some time before you look, can look five years ago. If you've been a Christian five years, that's your frame of reference. See exactly. if there's been gradual growth in the past five years.
2: Yeah. And if you want to see evidence of the spirit right now in your life or your home's life, your family's life, like begin planting and watering these seeds of the spirit and then give it time. Don't get frustrated tomorrow when, you know, your child is not being kind to everybody else. So it's gradual. Um, Secondly, he says that it is inevitable. And this is the confidence that that's, that's verse 16. You're going to grow. If you're in Christ, If the spirit of God's in you, the spirit of God's in the person that you're, you know, communicating with at this time, like. There's gonna be growth. There will be growth. This is not a hopeless event. Christ Good use is of
1: the good use of the Greek there, Dave. The double U. Like this, yep. you, you're gonna do this.
2: Yep. And then thirdly, he says Christian growth has internal roots. Meaning it's not primarily about traits or characteristics or gifts. I talked about that a little bit. It's about like real fruit. It comes from the inside out. You know, you mentioned Pastor Mike talking to me on Saturday. Paul Tripp talks about um, uh, fruit nailing. (laughs) Going up to a tree and I'm nailing an apple to it and like, look at my fruit. Actually, Paul Tripp is a, a worthy read on a lot of this subject. Mm-hmm. And then I mentioned, as he, he did, it's symmetrical. You know, you don't get one part of the fruit of the spirit growing without all the parts growing. Oh, that's and, so uh, good. So I think the, the two big encouragements, I think, to piggyback off of Sunday today is that it, give it time. Give it time. It's gradual, but it will grow. Have confidence, have assurance that Christ will do the work.
1: Dave, what would you say to somebody who says, OK, I understand that it's symmetrical, and your use of first John, by the way, was great on Sunday. So praise God for that, like vertical and horizontal. That was really, really well done. What would you say to someone though, who like, for me, like I struggle with gentleness, like, mm-hmm. is it okay for me to kind of focus on that? Or what would your encouragement be to, to me? someone like that.
2: Yeah, I think that there are legitimate things in how Christ has created us with our personality, gifts and abilities. So, so take spiritual gifts, for example, you know, like I God, or, or even just natural abilities and talents, God has given me the ability to sing and play and, you know, do things like that. And Mike, you know, you do not have that, (laughs) 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 you know, no, but that, that doesn't mean, um, it's not, it's not that that's not synonymous with the fruit of the spirit. But it is kind of helpful insight. My personality, uh, who God has made me to be, my experiences, all that means that I might be p- more prone to being patient. I might be more prone to being kind because I had a really patient and kind mom, or I had A really patient, kind grandma who picked me up, whereas somebody else, you know, grew up with incredible self-control because they've seen people in life abuse those types of things. And so you may be stronger. In fact, you probably definitely are in some areas. The, so the encouragement though there is that some people I think are just like, well, this, they'll say this phrase, it's just the way I am. That's just who I am. That's the danger because what people need to realize is that even your personality needs to be sanctified. There are, you need to be seeking to grow. So for you, you say, hey, I struggle with gentleness, but you might be really strong in these other areas. Identify that need. To Christ, and you go to Christ and say, Hey, Lord, this is an area where I really struggle. And I know that if I'm growing in the spirit, this isn't going to be left behind. You don't desire Mm. for it to be left behind. So, what do I need to do? What scripture is there for me? What kind of people do I see gentleness? This goes back to imitation. And sitting down with them, I was watching this thing about Tim Tebow. And Tim Tebow, his sophomore or his freshman year, comes into the Florida Gators and he finds the most uh, charismatic person on the team who has incredible influence, but he's also unbelievably disciplined. Everybody knows him on the team as being the most disciplined, intense person. He was also a big partier. Tim Tebow was homeschooled his whole life, missionary kid. So Tim Tebow comes on campus. He's overwhelmed, calls this guy and says, hey, I want to start hanging out with you because I want to learn from you. And this guy thinks that Tim Tebow wants to go to a bunch of parties and stuff, which is not what Tim Tebow meant. And so he meets up with him and and Tim basically says, No, you have influence, you have passion, and you have strengths that I don't have that as a leader I want to have. And so he began to follow this guy and learn from him in that area. And so it's powerful. That would be my encouragement. Don't give up. The Lord does not mean to leave aspects of the whole of of the fruit of the spirit behind. You may, because of experience and life and personality, be more strong in some areas. But be hopeful you can grow and you should grow. you ought to grow and Christ desires for you to grow. and so bring that before the Lord and press into it.
1: Amen. Amen. It's great It's been great.
0: Uh, but next week you, yeah, looking ahead next week. so what's the what's the next passage? How can people be preparing?
1: I can't wait. So the bottom of that passage says, so if we live in the spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit. And then Paul, that's going to be like a heading. And then there's going to be some of, you know, he's going to get hands-on here with things. Bearing each other's burdens. Helping people who are caught in sin. How do we relate to leaders? So there's some, like, pretty practical stuff. And so that's what we're going to be doing uh, this week is what actually, how does Paul expect these Christian communities to now apply you know, you've kind of taken a look at the character of the spirit, the fruit of the spirit, all that kind of thing. And now he's just really going to say, this is what I expect that to look like in these communities. And so I'm really excited about it. I think that, um, yeah, I think it'll be a real encouragement to us as we process through this. Hey, Mike, on a scale from one to 10, how good was the Sermon Plus? Uh <laughs> um... <laughs> I'd go like probably
0: 8.5. Stands a solid seven. All right. I guess we got to redo it. Yeah. <laughs> Later. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week.